Judge Jeanine Pirro. She's the outspoken host. Judge Jeanine Pirro is dominating the headlines right now. Tunnel to Towers Foundation presents the Judge Janine Pirro Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Pirro. Welcome, everyone, to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Show. I hope you're enjoying your day so far on this beautiful weekend. It's the 4th of July weekend, and it's a wonderful day here in New York City. And as always, we are armed and ready to serve justice with all my great listeners here on the Red Apple Audio Network. There is so much that happened this week in America. Uh, Hillary Clinton has popped up again, and uh, she is looking, as a result of the decision in Roe versus Wade, uh, to trash uh, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. And, of course, she says, as long as I've known him, he's been a person of grievance. Person of grievance. Hillary, my gosh, you've been grieving since you lost the 2016 election and blamed. I think you're still blaming people. You're on your 118th person to blame. We've got fentanyl flooding uh, the American border, and we've got accused drug traffickers out on bail after getting busted with 150,000 fentanyl pills. Now, that's a number. I'm just talking 150,000 fentanyl pills. Let me tell you, folks, what that means. 150,000 fentanyl pills can kill millions of people. And a court official literally set the suspects free. They were booked in the county jail, but now they're back on the street. The sheriff is going crazy, and this is in uh, in California, Central California, Mike Boudreau. He says he was never told or consulted before the suspects were released. Uh, and right now we're at one of the most dangerous, we're facing one of the most dangerous epidemics we've ever faced as a nation. And uh, we've got people in custody, and I know this from being DA, you keep them in custody, you squeeze them, and you go right up the ladder to get to the higher guy in the in the food chain, and they let him go. Well, that's why California is, is a mess. Uh, and in addition to fentanyl, we have a 20-year-old woman who was shot dead uh, in New York City, the victim of a domestic violence homicide, and you know this issue, as you know, is near and dear to my heart having started one of the first domestic violence units in the nation, uh, a young mom who had been uh, beaten by the father of uh, the baby she was about to deliver. Uh, She's walking in one of the most affluent areas in New York City, and it can be any city in America, folks. We're not New York City-centric here. It's any big city in America. And uh, someone in a hoodie walks up behind her, shoots her dead across from a playground. Kids see it. Ten-year-old is going to be a witness. I know how that goes. And she shot dead. And uh, guess what? The woman had called the police many times, asked for protection. He beat her up when she was six months pregnant. I mean, what kind of a dog does that? He actually beat her when she was six months pregnant. And as you know, domestic violence increases in intensity and frequency as time goes on. So every day becomes more dangerous. And in this case, six months after she was beaten, six months after she was six months pregnant, and now she has a three-month-old, she's shot dead on the street. The baby was not injured. But the mom who was pushing the stroller, the victim here, her mother, is talking about the number of calls to the police department. We called the precinct numerous times, she said. We called and we asked for help. They were supposed to be protecting her, the mother of the victim said. 
This was a domestic violence case from January. And this victim did everything she was supposed to do. She called the police. She went for help. She went to a domestic violence shelter. She was in and out of shelters. She did everything right, and the system failed her. The system failed her. We are living, folks, in a society now that is total chaos. Everybody gets out. Nobody's held accountable. And let me just put the icing on the cake for you on this one. The mayor of New York City, Eric Adams, the mayor who was elected because people thought that as an ex-police captain, he'd have all this under control. What a loser. The mayor blames guns. Mr. Bayer, it's not the gun that walked up and shot her. It's a guy with a gun who decided that he and not God would take her life. It was a dirtbag with a gun that decided to kill her. And Mayor Adams, stop with the ideological uh, 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 line here. Recognize that it's not just all about the guns. In fact, studies are showing us that in places where there are more guns, legal guns, people are safer. And now we've got Governor Hochul, that genius governor in New York State. This woman doesn't have a clue about gun crimes. And she says, um, all of a sudden now you're on the street and there are guns all over the place. You're going to bars after COVID. This is not the Wild West. This is New York. Governor Hochul. You're wrong. This is the Wild West. Have you ever looked at the streets? Have you ever watched the news in New York City? All she can say is, we got to get rid of the guns. We got to get rid of the guns. And someone actually from the press was bright enough to say to her, because lawful gun owners uh, say you're attacking the wrong person, that it's really people getting the guns illegally that are causing the violence, not people going and getting guns and getting a permit legally. Governor Hochul, do you have the numbers? I don't need the numbers, she says arrogantly. I don't need to have a data point on this. I know that too many guns cause too many deaths. No, we have legal guns. People are less likely to commit crimes. And the data shows that many states with higher percentages of gun ownership have lower uh, gun murder rates uh, to states with strict gun control. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking with uh, the Republican candidate for governor in New York State who's going to be running against that genius Hochul. Uh, we've also got uh, Pete Hegseth, who's going to be talking about education and what's going on in America and what happened with uh, Roe versus Wade. And we've got Sheriff Denells from the border, straight from the border, who's going to be talking to us about fentanyl and what's going on in this country. Uh, so I'll be speaking with all of those individuals. It's all coming up in just a few moments here on the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Never forget, join the Tunnel to Towers Foundation on its mission to do good in honor of America's heroes. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2 T.org. This is the Judge Jeanine Show. This is the Judge Jeanine Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Bureau. 
Welcome back to the Judge Jeanine Tunnels Towers Foundation show. Joining us now is a uh, is a combat veteran and someone who has won a number of awards, Bronze Star recipient. Uh, he is also an author and television personality. He's a co-host of Fox and Friends on the weekends. And if you watch Fox, uh, he's on daytime, prime time, prime time all the time. But most recently, he did a Fox Nation special that is based upon his book. And his latest book is called The Battle for the American Mind, Uprooting a Century of Miseducation. So please join me in welcoming Pete Hegseth to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers show. Uh, and I'm thrilled to have you on, Pete. There's so much to talk to you about this weekend. Yes. I want to get to your book. But, you know, this week we've got the president of the United States uh, in Spain for the G7, and he's trashing the United States Supreme Court. I mean, I have to tell you that most of the stuff that he does, you know, I'm no longer shocked. I expect it. But, you know, to trash the Supreme Court on foreign soil, just I found it offensive. Am I wrong? I agree with you, Judge, and thanks for having me. You know, this is a guy, I wonder how many times, we should go back and, and find out, as the chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, Senator Biden criticized presidents who went overseas and said even one bad word about the country or domestic issues while they were overseas, because you're not supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. And not only did he do that, but he trashed one of the core institutions of our country, saying it's turned America uh, in, into an evil place. It It is a... It is a reflection of the way his base feels. He's playing base politics on domestic issues on foreign soil as he's not solving any of the issues that we do face in the world or confronting actual enemies. So it is – the thing is, as conservatives, we should – we hear this, 2022 is coming, 24 is coming, and we should collectively be taking a deep breath that – Donald Trump put three justices in that gave us a, a month of Supreme Court rulings, which mm-hmm. you know validates our system. So he, mm-hmm. he's going to say what he wants, uh, told to say so or not, and it is dangerous. But thankfully, his his time is short as far as being able to control uh, what he controls. All right, Pete Hexeth, you've got a bachelor's degree in politics from Princeton University. You've got a master's degree from Harvard University. I mean, you're a veteran. You hold two bronze stars, combat infantryman badge for your time in Iraq and Afghanistan. I mean, you you are a pretty well-rounded person, uh, as as the saying goes. But, uh, you know, I'm curious as to what your take is on how Roe versus Wade is going to impact the 2022 midterms. Is it going going to rile up the left to the point where no matter how bad it's been on the left, they're going to come out in full force. How's it going to impact? It might impact it on the margins, Judge. Uh, but and you know this as well as I do. I, it'll, it'll have a base effect for them a little bit. But ultimately, the fundamentals are so bad and the, the, the sense people have of the direction of our country is so sideways that they're going to look up at their uh, at the cost of their uh, what it costs to live life and uh, the, the the cost to fill up their gas tank and just the uncertainty of the entirety of our experiment right now and say it was going pretty well just a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and this guy who said he was going to end covid didn't and the border's wide open and the cops are the bad guys apparently and climate change is going to end us all per his rhetoric in fact they've gone nuts over that that decision as well that that yes might be- they might that might even be worse the EPA decision in their mind than than the Roe v Wade one. So mm-hmm. I just I think the fundamentals are still so bad. They're looking for for some some balance to the extremism they're seeing out of the White House. I think it's I think 
it doesn't change one bit the extent to which there's a backlash against their policies. I, I sure hope so. But it's okay. also the fact that it was baked in because of the leak, too, Judge. The leak kind of baked in the reality for a lot of people uh, mm-hmm. in a way that it didn't have as much of an impact. Even though we see the rage, uh, mm-hmm. I don't think it'll change things. I think you're right about that, Pete Hexeth. And isn't it interesting? We haven't heard anything about the leaker or the investigation. But I want to move on to your book because in your book, The Miseducation of America, and I, I have to tell all my listeners that I think education is the one thing that people are ignoring. They're not focusing on enough, not only in terms of you know CRT and what we saw in Virginia uh, and, and what's going on with school boards and parents, but in terms of uh, what is happening all over the country as it relates to, you know, what our children are learning that we only learned about during COVID. But what about illegal immigration and its impact on education? No one is talking about the fact that we now need more teachers who speak Spanish or whatever the language might be. And this is not money that comes from the federal government, is it? No, it's not. You're right. I mean, that is a Another tier of this crisis, the, the hundreds of thousands of young kids that will enter schools uh, with a, a whole different set of challenges. That, and these schools are filled with our kids as well, taxpaying citizens' kids who are already underserved by this. So, so it's, it's a problem of excellence, which you've laid out, the ability to deliver on the basics for kids. And then it's a problem of indoctrination. And we're, we're about to enter probably the most dangerous phase of our American experiment as we pump out a generation of kids, if it continues, who believe that America is an evil place at its foundation and as a result needs to be fundamentally transformed, to use words from Barack Obama. You can't keep a country when you're pumping it full of future citizens who didn't get indoctrinated or radicalized in college, which means they at least have a foundation. But instead, we're, we're indoctrinated in a, with a certain worldview at the age of 8, 9, 10, 11, and then pumped out as little activists with, uh, with a certain worldview. It's really, really dangerous, and uh, it, we, we've got a fighting chance if we, if we wake up to it. But you're right. As Republicans and conservatives, education should be issue number one. There's a lot of issues that should be number one, but it should be on top of the list. Otherwise, you can't keep a country when its citizens don't like the country. Well, there's no question about it, but let's talk about the battle for the American mind. I mean, wh- tell me about your book, Pete Hexeth, and what is the central theme of the book? The central theme of the book is that for over 100 years, progressives have been hard at work through the public education system uh, to take it over so they could take over our politics. They understood that the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation becomes the philosophy of government in the next. You'll meet a lot of characters. They're almost all atheists, all socialists, all humanists, all Marxists. And they went to work into public school, changing it completely from what it had been at our founding, which is about reasoning and the liberal arts and great books and understanding uh, Greek and Latin. Um, And they overturned it into vocational training uh, and stripped out a lot of the core and, and Ernest Hemingway once said, to your other point, of bankruptcy, that it happens gradually mm-hmm. until it happens quickly. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened with the education. You said we saw it during COVID. You're right. We suddenly were exposed to critical race theory and gender pronouns and all this stuff. Where did it come from? It happened gradually over 100 years. So the book lays out the case of how bad the problem is and then gives parents and grandparents some tools. Uh, to fight back. Well, I have to tell you, I I, I read, uh, I haven't read the whole book. I've read a lot of the book. I'm about in the middle of it. And, you know, you go back into the history and like everybody thinks that this all started in the 60s, you know, and it didn't start in the 60s, obviously. 
I mean, this is a long-term goal by Marxists, by socialists. And I'll tell you, Pete Hexit, every day I see it, you know, and I think to myself, you know, maybe I'm, I'm just, you know, I just I've lived too long and everything that they said was going to happen. I'm seeing it happen, you know, uh, whether it's crime, whether it's, you know, it's education, you know, oh, we're going to fix this. The, these are lessons learned. It's no big deal. But a lot of this stuff has been in the works for decades and decades. Absolutely. And, and, and the, it's a takedown of America. And the, the best way to start is with the young Americans. And you look at it. This is a 4th of July weekend, okay? And how many people don't love America the way we used to? I mean, I'm from upstate New York, Pete. I mean, you know, we went to a parade. It wasn't a very big one. And, uh, you know, we all had our American flags. And, and, and all of a sudden, people hate this country. What do you say to them? What I say to them is um, pick up a book about human history over the last 6,000 years, especially the last 2,000 years. And what we have in America is an exception to the rule. It is not perfect, but we had a brilliant moment of men who were flawed, uh, who put together a system that channels human nature. And, and, and so all of that is, is true. But if you have a generation that doesn't believe in biblical wisdom, doesn't believe in Western civilization, rejects it all because it was old white men, uh, mm-hmm. it's really hard to get to those basics, which are fundamentally special to Western civilization and America. And they know that. So they've stripped that out. Time and time again, uh, I would tell them the best best thing you can do is have people you know do some world traveling, travel around, check out the way other people live and the restrictions that they have in their lives or the biases that exist in their society, and then turn around and tell me that America is not special. Yep. Uh, most kids have never seen that, and that's I think the best education. Well, I'll tell you, Pete Hexit, on this Fourth of July weekend, I mean, there's a lot of work we still have to do. Uh, and your book, Battle for the American Mind: Uprooting a Century of Miseducation, uh, is is a must read. I mean, Americans for too long have ignored what's going on in the schools. We just kind of thought, well, the teachers know what they're doing, and then all of a sudden, when we look into it, we say, oh wow. And Virginia was the telltale. I mean, when uh, yeah. uh, when Virginia happened, everybody just took note and said. Is this happening in my school? And the arrogance, Pete, the arrogance of some of these uh, school board members who think uh, that, you know, it's their decision. Or even the president of the United States, Joe Biden, saying, when they're in school, they're yours. They're your kids. No, they're never your kids. They're my kids. No, that's been their mindset for longer than we we realize, and especially now. And if you want your kids to receive an actual free thinking education, you got to take it back from them. And maybe that's running for school board. Maybe it's being involved in your local school or it's pulling your kids out altogether and saying, I, I shouldn't have to deprogram them at home. I should put them in a system that fortifies and and, and uh, further sustains the, the beliefs that I have. Well, and uh, to my listeners, I just have to add one thing, Pete, before I let you go. I mean, you you have a lot of kids. <laughs> <laughs> what I mean, Pete, Pete, everybody has uh, how many are there? Seven. There are seven. Yeah. Seven kids. OK, so you are in the thick of the education, especially during COVID. I mean, how did you function? I mean, how did you and Jen function? I don't know how like, you did it. Well, like everybody else, at first you're you're, you're knocked back on your heels and then you realize, <laughs> well, let's do some training at home. And we did training at home and some of them did Zoom classrooms, but it was it was a wake up call for us too. We're on this journey as well, and when you realize we're you're sending these seven kids into a dangerous world, mm. uh, the only responsibility we have is to fortify them while we still can. 
Well, and you're doing that, Pete Hexith. I want to thank you for joining us. Everyone, the thank book you, is Josh. Battle for American Mind, Uprooting a Century of Miseducation. It is brilliant, as is our guest, Pete Hexeth. Thanks for joining us, Pete. You have a good day. You're the best. This is the Judge Janine Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Puro. Joining us now is the Cochise, Arizona County Sheriff. Please join me in welcoming Mark Donnells to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Let me tell you a little bit about Sheriff Mark Donnells. Uh, for the last 10 years at least, uh, he's been elected by the citizens of Cochise County to serve as a 26 Cochise County Sheriff uh, since 1881. That doesn't mean he's been around since 1881. Uh, Sheriff Donnells is a 38-year veteran of law enforcement. He's got a master's in criminal justice, uh, and he's a certified public manager from Arizona State University. Uh, look, I'm going to tell you, I know uh, Sheriff Donnells. Uh, he's a great guy. I love the guy. He's an American. He is fighting. He is fighting the good fight that we just talk about every day. So let's welcome Sheriff Mark Donnells. Mark, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back on the show, Judge. Really well, it, it. It, it's good to it's good to to have you back, Mark. I don't even know where to start. This week, we hear about 150,000 fentanyl pills in, uh, I believe, California. It's enough to uh, kill millions of people. Uh, the two dirt bags are booked in the county jail, and then they're let out on the street. The sheriff, Mike Boudreau, says he wasn't even told or consulted before they were released. Now, that's in California. You're in Cochise County. You are right on the border. You are a border uh, sheriff. What's going on there? Tell me, how bad is it? I've sat back since President Biden's been elected and watched the infrastructure of border security be dismantled, completely dismantled. And and let me, and I say this all the time, people say, well, Sheriff, you're being political. This is not about politics. I've worked in this county 38 years. I've seen what the good of the border, I've seen the ugly of the border. Right now, I've seen ugly on ugly right now with this crisis on our border. You're talking about fentanyl, Judge. I just got back from Kansas City last weekend and talking to the leadership of Border Patrol, talking to our HIDA directors, which is our drug task force right. uh, directors in our states. Arizona leads the nation in fentanyl seizure incidents. We had 2,175 incidents of fentanyl just on our southern borders here in Arizona. And then you look at what, uh, what Border Patrol shared with us. And, and this is where people can weigh this. I mean, they don't believe there's a crisis on the border. Let the numbers speak for themselves. 1.6 million encounters since October 1 of 2021. They're seizing seven encountered 7,500 up to 8,000 illegal migrants every day, which equates to that 1.6 million. Border patrols can only accommodate 3,000 to 3,500. So you look at that too. Is as a result of that, they're getting released. Family units getting released. Then you look at the, and, and this is where I call it, uh, Speaker Pelosi last year made a comment about there is no humanitarian crisis on our border. Yeah. Saying that, hey, let me say this to you. We all saw what happened uh, in San Antonio, Texas with the 53 migrants in the back of a truck. Right. Add, 400, add 480 migrant deaths since October 1. That's over 500 deaths of people that have died on this border. 533. It's incredible. Then you add on to that 400,000 gotaways, which is a nominal number, the fact that that's what they know. And then 157 countries have breached our border. Those statistics were given to me last weekend. There's no way you can sit there and tell me that this border is secure. And the press secretary for President Biden came out a couple days after this. I got back in Kansas City and said, the border is secure. 
folks, the border is not secure. You know, Sheriff, it's got it's got to be frustrating because you're there. You see it. I've been down there several times with you. I've seen it. Uh, when the president of the United States, when the press office looks in the cameras and tells the American people the border is closed, the border is secure, you know, you, you, that's just a lie. It is a lie. There, there's no way to spin this. It's a complete fault narrative, complete false narrative. When you're telling the American people that you have a manageable control border, Secretary Mayorkas continues to say that. I just read a press release yesterday on the MPP, the Migrant Protection Protocol reversal. Yeah. I just keep looking at all these infrastructure uh, dismantling measures by this administration. Judge, there's no other way to describe this but a open border intended consequence orchestrated by this president, this administration, and members of Congress who have failed to step up and fix this. Secretary, uh, uh, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi want an open border. Vice President Harris has totally neglected our border. And the, way, the reason I'm saying that, maybe I sound a little frustrated, is the fact that it's an insult to every local law enforcement, sheriff's deputy, sheriff, governor, mayor, community leader that's been down here trying to protect this border when our absence our federal government. Well, you know, what do you think the end goal is, Sheriff Mark Donnells? What? Why are they? Why are they allowing this to happen? Someone said that. Uh, you know, I don't know what the number is. I mean, you're talking about one sector and thousands, and um, there are so many points of entry, so many gotaways. Um, what is the end game here? Well, I think the end game is, and this is what's hard to articulate on a reasonable level truly is but the end game i've heard everything from what well, they want more voters democrat party wants to get more voters i truly believe it's just a complete slap in the face of president trump his administration for actually securing the border now president biden's coming out whatever trump did whether it worked or did, uh, didn't work it's irrelevant it's a, it's totally opposite of him and unfortunately Everything this president's doing, he's neglecting his oath of office to protect this country. He shares the same oath of I, I do, Judge, same one you did uh, when you uh, when you were in government, serving with government to protect your citizens and your local communities. And I'm telling you, he's fractured that right now. He's fracturing the rule of law when it comes to securing this border under our Constitution. What's interesting is the Supreme Court this week uh, said that uh, he's entitled to, uh, you know, dismantle the remain in Mexico policy, which basically means that everybody can just rush the border and come right in. And, uh, you know, you don't have to remain in Mexico or the first country, as they call it, that, that that's, you know, the closest to where you're leaving in order to seek asylum. And, and uh, you know, just for some of the, the numbers of Sheriff Mark Donnell's from Arizona, uh, people, the number of people who show up for their, uh, you know, asylum hearing is is minuscule, and of that number, ninety percent don't get asylum. So the whole thing is it's a it's like a con game, you know. Come in legally and seek asylum. There's no problem with that. And yet the Democrats, they'll just say to you, well, they're all seeking asylum. Well, no, they're not. They just want to come here. And I don't know how long our schools, our social services, our hospitals, if we're in the middle of the highest inflation we've had in 40 years. You know, the economy's a mess. Gas is $5 a, a gallon and going up. I mean, yesterday, Joe Biden said, you know, well, it's going to be for a long time. You can blame Putin. Nobody 
blames Putin. We hardly got gas from Putin. And he gave Putin a waiver so that Putin could, uh, you know, uh, uh, he, uh, do the Nord Stream and shut down everything in the United States. It's, it's everything is contraindicated. Well, it, it truly is. And that's where the scary part lies. And, and this intellectual avoidance by President Biden and his administration, I mean, you would never solve the problem. We, it was very obvious on the national sheriff level. We have sent letters to this president. And I was just in Kansas talking to our NSA National Sheriff Association president, and he explained to you the membership that this president has not met with sheriffs. For some reason, he's taken a real stance against sheriffs, and I'll tell you why. Because we're independent voices. I don't work for the governors. I don't work for mayors. I work for the people. So we have independent voices, and we're out there very large and loud saying this president's not doing his job. So he has totally avoided us. We didn't start that way. We tried to have an active engagement, a collective message to work together, because when you don't do that, everything is going south. I, there's nothing. What's your case? <laughs> what I mean by that is nothing's working. Nothing's working. And so, again, this is intended. It truly is intended. But the insult comes when you actively won't engage in this. And and that's this president's uh, trend and theme. He does want to engage, whether it be the Afghanistan stuff, whether it's Putin. You're going to blame Putin for our inflation? Wow, who's running the country? And I say that as a citizen. Who's running the country then? If a dictator in another country is, is charged, causing our inflation, Man, I, I tell you, we've we've messed up somewhere. We've misstepped somewhere. This president needs to step up and lead, and that's my opinion. Well, and you know what? The the problem is that that Americans are desperate for someone who can lead, who can give us hope. And and Biden came in that way, Sheriff Mark Denell. He came in. Everyone thought he was, you know, empathic, and you know, he was a guy who was sensitive to COVID, and he was going to, you know, make us all, uh, you know, he would be sensitive and considerate. And it's just the opposite. He doesn't feel our pain at all. But as you, what what's going on with the ranch? Ranch owners at the border and all the property and some of the ranchers that I met there, the landowners down there. What's going on with their properties? Well, they're get they're very frustrated. First of all, I speak to them daily. They're very frustrated because they've been left behind here. Whether we did it through the COVID pandemic, where uh, Dr. Fauci talked about the restrictions, everything going on in the country. What he would not talk about is the southern border, the the as people call it, the invasion on our southern border, the surges on our southern border. He would not talk to it. Right now, my ranchers are guarded up. They're frustrated. They're upset, and they're mad. I'll just say that to you, Judge, because if it wasn't for us, the sheriff's office, our local law enforcement, our governor, uh, and our troopers, and our, and our partner with the small amount of agents left in my county compared to what we had under uh, President Trump, mm-hmm. They would be abandoned completely. They would be abandoned completely. And I guess that's where I speak on in the fact that we're part of America. We're truly part of America. But if you look at what Biden's done to the southern border communities and make, making us the largest – I'll continue to say when it comes to public safety, national security, and humanitarian, we're the largest crime zone in this country, 31 border counties. He's abandoned us down here on this border. Wow. That's interesting. The largest crime zone in the country. And in the end, uh, what do you think is going to happen um, if if you are the largest crime zone? I mean, you don't have the capacity if the laws changed. If 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 they estimate, let's say that two million 
three million come through this year. I mean, what do the border towns do? How do they survive? Well, I'll just say this to you. If it wasn't for our state legislative folks, state and our governor and his team, we would be in dire upside down straits. We, we, it's, I can't say that loud enough. Our governor has kept us afloat in the state and our state legislative folks. And that's to keep, for example, let me just give you an example. Our jail, since July of 2021 till May, we booked 900 and I think it was 946 border-related suspects. These are people that commit a crime with a nexus to the border. That's unheard of, uh-huh. unheard of in a rural county. But we're seeing well, that, that rages everything. These aren't people that are coming across the border that were caught for immigration issues. These are people that have committed murder, failed to yield, ran their uh, as they, the smugglers ran their cars into our sheriff's cars, our troopers' cars, our border patrol vehicles, criminal trespass, home invasions, you name it. Oh, warrants, stolen guns. We just had one there day. Carjacked the vehicle, drove to Cochise County, picked up five uh, illegal migrants, ran from us, uh, hit, a, hit a law enforcement car, and then fought us. And then wow. there was drugs in the car. And, and, and that's, that's become a daily norm down here when it comes to pursuits, the endangerment, uh, the vulnerabilities my citizens are at risk right now. You ask any citizen in Cochise County what it was like three years ago, two years ago, and what it's like today. It's night and day, and that's where I get frustrated too because I have a federal asset, federal government that would not engage with us. Wow, that is shocking, Sheriff Mark Donnells. I mean, you are uh, you are in the thick of it. You know, we hear Governor Greg Abbott and and uh, what he talks about at the press conferences, uh, and you know whether it's the 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 individuals who are dying uh, in the in the large semis or in the vehicle chases. Um, why are they, why are they in these semis? I mean, if they can, the, the, the 18 wheelers, if they can literally walk across and you've got border patrol doing nothing but taking care of them. I mean, why are they hiding like that? How are they different? The biggest thing that I think the public fails to recognize in that is the fact that the cartels control the Southern border, whether you're paying a fee to come across or you're loaded up in a cargo truck. Big truck, big money. And that's the thing. The ones truly winning on this, the ones truly winning on this open border uh, concept for President Biden is the cartels. They're exploiting us on drugs. They're exploiting us on, I call it modern-day slavery. I really yep. do. It's horrible yep. where they treat these people. And and I got to say this to you, Judge, and, and we're, like I said, we're, we don't see the give-ups or people – uh, what you see like in Yuma and Del Rio, Eagle Pass, what we see here, which is makes us the most vulnerable part, we lead the nation in gotaways. Uh, we did it last year in 2021. We're doing it again this year, is the fact that we have people that can't give up because of they've been they're aggravated individuals for crimes. They've been deported or they're criminals or from countries of interest. So they have to be camouflaged by the cartels and um, smuggled into the country at all risk. And they tell them, fight and flight. Fight and flight. That's what they tell them. But I, I, I gotta say this to you, Judge. And so we know the cartel. That's a known criminal organization. Ruthless mm-hmm. at that. We, we know that. I've never in my 38 years ever felt that we, we that we've always known the cartel. But now we have a federal administration, a president that is opposite of us. It seems like everything we do down here, I have him, the world's most powerful leader, by position, fighting us too. He's truly yeah. fighting border communities. And and I just look at that and say, wow, I've never, ever seen that. But our president and this Congress 
have abandoned us, and they're not on the same side I am, and that is the rule of law and community protection. So that, that I share that with you because it's it's just frustrating. Hard to swallow. Yeah. Yes. Hard you to know swallow. what? I I got to tell you, Sheriff Donnells. I mean, I am very worried for everyone down there at the southern border. You are outspoken. You always have been, Sheriff Mark Donnells from Cochise County, in Arizona. I mean, and you're out there fighting. I mean, you know that's that you know that's that's why I like you. I mean, you're you're in their face. You're doing their the, the job that you were elected to do. And the shame of it is, you're doing it against all odds with a government and a uh, a vice president uh, who's. In in charge of the border who's never even been there i mean this is this is crazy town uh but i hope that you are safe i pray that you stay safe and uh you know we'll see what the next election you know what happens but the democrats the president will be there at least until 2024 so uh sheriff mark Donnells, I, I i wish you well i i thank you for the work that you're doing america doesn't have any idea how hard you're fighting at that border. They really don't. You have to go there to actually see the hell that's going on there. So Sheriff Mark Donnells from Cochise County, thank you so much for joining us on the Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. It was good to talk to you. Good to talk to thank you. Thank you, Judge. Okay. Thank you, Judge, and thanks for all you do. Bye-bye. All right. Take care. This is the Judge Janine Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Puro. Please join me in welcoming Lee Zeldin to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Now, Congressman Lee Zeldin uh, just this week run, uh, won the primary to be the Republican candidate. Congressman, welcome to the show. Uh, it's so great to be with you. I am not in this race to come in second, and I know that you know the stakes better than anybody. So yeah. we have to uh, spend the next four months making sure we win this thing. Okay. I want to talk about New York's Governor Kathy Hochul, who's only there because the then-Governor Andrew Cuomo uh, you know, was run out of office for sexual uh, harassment, uh, and then all of a sudden this woman we never heard of pops up. One of the things that is is infuriating me is that uh, she now is not only uh, talking tough about crime, but she's talking tough about guns. And the amazing thing is crime in New York and across the country, to be honest with you, could be uh, a less of a problem if we brought the bail laws back to where they were so that when we arrest someone for a violent crime, at least the judge has the opportunity to keep that person in jail. And Governor Hochul won't do anything to change that. I I place the blame on her. Amen. Absolutely. And when she was asked about this earlier in the year, she said she needed data. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, the data, data, count all the, the press headlines that are sitting there on your desk of all the stories from across the state where people get released on cashless bail and they go out and commit additional offenses. I agree with you that we need to repeal cashless bail, roll back that law, the discovery law changes. Less is more, which, was, which he signed last summer, releasing a bunch of people early from prison who should have remained behind bars. The HALT Act was signed into law where we're seeing correctional officers getting assaulted because they're losing the tool of solitary confinement. There's a lot of pro-criminal policies that have become law 
under one-party Democrat rule, and Kathy Hochul is doing nothing about it. Well, and the amazing thing is that if we had Andrea Stewart-Cousins in the Senate and Carl Heasty in the Assembly, and she is the governor, uh, and they have all three, you know, they, they've got the trifecta, they could change crime in the city. I am sick and tired, and I know that Congressman Zeldin, soon-to-be Governor Zeldin, uh, that it infuriates families when people are out on bail and then go on to kill or commit violent crimes. And her response when she's asked, you know, you're against guns. You don't want guns on the street. Uh, Mayor Adams doesn't want guns on the street. Well, finally, in the Supreme Court, thank God for their decision in uh, the New York rifle, uh, pistol and rifle case, you know, we have a right to have guns, too. And what she says is um, it doesn't matter. Getting guns, uh, the more guns there are, the more violence there'll be. And when someone asked her and said to her, look, um, the numbers don't support that. The data show that many states with higher percentages of legal gun ownership have lower gun murder rates. She said, I don't need the numbers. I don't need a data point. I know I have a responsibility. Is this woman stupid? And think about what you what you just said about her saying that she doesn't need data. And we were just talking about Castle's bail, and she said she wouldn't repeal it because we didn't have the data. And right. she's a walking <laughs> identity crisis. When she was a member of Congress, she was an A-rated, NRA-endorsed member of Congress. And, and I agree that the, the Supreme Court decision returning the concealed carry law – Uh, overturning it in a way that restores rights of law-abiding citizens who want to safely and securely carry a firearm solely for their self-defense, that has to be treated differently than a criminal who doesn't care about what the laws and rules are, and they're going to just carry anyway, commit crime after crime after crime in a system that keeps putting them back out on the streets. And and one-party rule, you mentioned with Andrea Stewart-Cousins and Carl Hasty, what they're talking about doing next is passing something called the Clean Slate Act. They want to wipe away the records of all sorts of different criminal convictions of people from their past where maybe you want to know about that before you hire someone, before you wow. rent to someone, before you pick someone as a babysitter. Yep. So I, I feel like things can get worse in this state. They will get worse in this state if you keep Kathy Hochul for four more years with one-party rule. All right. Congressman Lee Zeldin, soon to be Governor Lee Zeldin, thank you so much for joining us on the Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Good luck to you. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be with you. I can't believe we're out of time already. Make sure you join us right back here next week. Same time, same place for the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Have a great day, everyone. Bye.